All right, welcome to another episode of White Collar Crimes, the show where we show you the only color that truly matters in our criminal justice system is green. I am Ryan Horn, your host. Great to have you aboard for another one. You know, lately we've talked about some cases, some high-profile cases from the you know fairly recent past. Uh, last week we talked a little about Don LaPree, the tiny classified ads conman. Uh, before that, Kevin Trudeau, the late-night you know, health guru, pitch man, con artist. We've talked about some other uh, high profile cases, a you know, real big one in white collar crime we talked about recently was uh, Enron. But uh, n- now we're just going to take a step back. This On this episode today, tonight, depending on whenever you hear this, is going to be more educational in purpose. It'll be kind of a visit from Professor Horn's class here. Um, right now, I'm you know, the semester's winding down for classes that I teach, although I am teaching a summer class, and uh, looks like I'll have a pretty busy fall schedule as well, and sometimes it's good sometimes just to take a step back and kind of, I feel like, help educate the listeners, because, you know, I know, you know, some of these terms and terminology and things sometimes might be somewhat confusing, or, you know, just the overall direction that we are trying to go with the show, and and one of the purposes we've always had is to shine a light on, you know, this topic. There's not a whole lot out there, you know, with the exception of like American Greed and, and shows like that, that really focus on white collar crime. There's not a lot of podcasts out there that do this. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, TV shows that cover this subject. You know, overwhelming majority of crime shows, true crime shows are, you know, uh, serial killers, missing persons, things like that. Street crime, you know, those things get plenty of coverage. But one thing that does not is white collar crime, and that's something I learned, you know, some years back in grad school at the University of Cincinnati when I had my first uh, white collar crime class. I was really floored how much of that really goes on because prior to that, I was, you know, had worked for a long time as a correctional officer and some other law enforcement jobs here in Southern Illinois, which is, you know, fairly rural area. You know, I dealt with your, you know, average, you know, drug offenders and, you know, burglars and things like that. But around here, we just don't really deal a whole lot with a lot of white collar criminals, at least so I didn't think. But the more I uncovered and looked into it, it's way more common than any of us could ever even realize. And the impact of it you know, in some case-by-case basis can be even worse than, you know, people that are victimized by street crime. And most people likely, they do fear being the victim of a street crime. You know, it's evident as much people that spend on security and protection and good reason you need to. It's a dangerous world out there, you know, protect yourself. Uh, That was a motto I had of, you know, and I still do sell a little security equipment on the side, but I used to be a lot more busy with it, uh, you know, on a website and things like that. And, you know, that was one, that was a motto of the company that I did that for, you know, the world's a dangerous place, protect yourself. But, you know, you're just as likely or could just about be as likely to be victimized by white collar crime now. And that's something that just doesn't seem to get on our radar. It's certainly not on the news media radar or anything like that. But, you know, it's certainly a real possibility for any one of us, you know. And it's hard to say really how many people truly are victimized by it. We, you know, we gather crime stats in this country from usually the National Crime Victimization Survey, which is just that. It's, you know, people are randomly selected to talk, you know, give a survey and report if they've been victimized by a crime or not. You know, like any other type of survey, you don't know how honest and accurate it's going to be, how honest people that are taking it are going to be. But 
you know, it gives people a chance to, you know, say whether or not that they have been victimized. And the other is the Uniform Crime Report. And this is gathered by the FBI every year. This is reports from local law enforcement agencies, and they report the number of arrests and things like that. And the FBI takes these number of arrests and uh, by the population, and they divide things up and, you know, gives a crime rate for a given city. Um, some of the criticism of that has been it just covers simply arrests and, you know, it doesn't follow through and see if there was, you know, the cases were dismissed, which many times they are, or, you know, the victims don't cooperate and they have to be dismissed or, you know, whatever reason. But, you know, it's not entirely accurate, but, you know, there is no way to truly ever really measure, you know, crime really, how much is going on out there because a lot of it doesn't get reported. And believe it or not, you know, it's no different with white-collar crime. There are a lot of white-collar crimes out there that go unreported. And many white-collar crime victims we've talked about, they don't even know they have been victimized till much later down the road. And, you know, we saw that with Bernie Madoff's victims. You go back a little bit of time when we had the podcast last year on Bernie Madoff. You know, there, he victimized people for years before they realized that they were being victimized. Uh, same with Jordan Belfort. Uh, he... The Wolf of Wall Street. He victimized a lot of people for years and years before he actually got, you know, caught with what he was doing. You know, uh, Enron was a propped up fake company that got away with what they were doing for years and years before, you know, they got caught. And uh, the amount of people they that get victimized along the way, and sadly, uh, when they do figure it out, it's too late. Sometimes uh, they've already been victimized. You know, or. or Oftentimes, you know, street crime, when somebody's robbed or assaulted, they know right that second they're being victimized, and, you know, they can report it. Oftentimes, they'll see who their assailant is, but white-collar crime, that's not so much. You know, Bernie Madoff had a lot of investors, you know, and he had no way to personally even know the people he were he was victimizing and vice versa, you know, on a big scale like that. And sadly, that is oftentimes the case. You know, uh, LaPree and Trudeau, the last two we've talked about, they certainly didn't know all the you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people that they victimized. And, uh, you know, it's hard to tell. But uh, fraud cases usually have, you know, and it's what they say is the most common among white-collar crimes. But, you know, really white-collar crime almost in any form does involve some type of fraud or deception. You know, we talked about that last year when, you know, the episode where we talked about just simply what is a white-collar crime or a white-collar criminal you know, and it is just the case where, you know, there is a violation of trust and some type of fraud or deception, you know, some type of promised service or product that, you know, deceptively for whatever reason is not delivered. That's most of the time in a nutshell what white collar crime is. Now, you know, of course the internet is making fraud very much easier to, uh, you know, to do now and uh, you know also with you know cell phones like they are uh, you know there's phone scams that are still going on you know it's technology even though technology is rapidly changing these uh, white-collar criminals and these scam artists are still figuring out ways to do them without uh, you know without getting caught and you know in my humble opinion the internet is blurring the line really between white-collar crime and uh, cyber crime, you know, and I had a cyber crime class, you know, years ago in grad school as well, you know, a lot of what I learned is 
probably obsolete now as fast and quickly as, you know, uh, internet technology and computer technology change. But nonetheless, cybercrime is a rapidly changing, uh, you know, crime. It, you know, internet crimes, when I started in law enforcement back in the late 90s around here, were simply unheard of, but now they're not. You know, people are victimized online every day, and it's, in my opinion, becoming a combination, really, of white-collar crime slash cybercrime. And, uh, you know, we all know that there's, uh, you know, stricter enforcement in some ways now with uh, environmental laws, uh, but uh, we know from cases that have happened in years past that we've talked, or, you know, we're, that we've talked about on this show, like the Flint water crisis. And, uh, you know, it's going further back than that, the WC Grace Mine Company in Montana. So even though in recent decades, they've clamped down really in a sense on, you know, environmental regulation and enforcement, it's still not completely stopping, uh, white collar crimes and white collar offenders to still do, you know, things that they do and still manage to victimize a lot of people. And, uh, you know, it brings the question, how are we going to enforce these white collar crimes coming up in the future? Um, is going to possibly get harder at the local level, in my opinion, because there are fewer people signing up to be in law enforcement. Um, I know enrollment in my criminal justice classes the last year here has uh, has declined. There's no other way around it to say it. Uh, a lot of people are not signing up to do this kind of work. I saw, I believe it was near me, a couple few weeks ago uh, on a news story, a Facebook story in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which is, you know, about an hour roughly or so from me, uh, famous hometown of Rush Limbaugh, the, uh, commentator. And there, I believe is police, fire, EMT, different, uh, first responder jobs there were offering a thousand dollar sign on bonus, which is insanity. You know, when I got into, uh, corrections back in the late nineties, you know, there was a lot of competition for these type of jobs, you know, even in rural areas where I'm at, a lot of people signed up and tested. Now, you know, you had to pass a written and physical test and, you know, both of them usually eliminated a lot of candidates. So by the time you got down to the hiring list, a lot of people had been eliminated, but nonetheless, a lot of people pursued these jobs. There certainly was not needed the promise of a thousand dollar sign-on bonus to entice somebody to do these jobs. That was just not the case at all. But now it is, and uh, it's making it much harder for law enforcement to do all kinds of jobs, and I think it's going to make it harder for them to do white-collar crime enforcement. Um, you know, and the question, and this was something that I addressed in my thesis on this topic, you know, back in prior to my graduation, is whether or not this is going to be better to handle through law enforcement or regulation through regulatory agencies, you know, and regulatory agencies by that, I mean, you know, environmental agencies, uh, you know, IRS, different ones like that, government, you know, run bureaucracies. And, you know, my conclusion was based off the research that I'd done, it's going to take, honestly, a combination of both. I don't know that one or the other is going to be able to do the bulk load of, you know, what's coming up ahead of us. And, uh, you know, is there any recourse for people who are victimized by these? Uh, we've talked about it a bunch of times on this show, and it seems like in the end, oftentimes, the white-collar crime victims, the only type of justice they get at all, either they, the actual victims themselves, or the family members, is to, uh, you know, sue in civil court. And, you know, are corporations likely to take notice of these dents in their wallets, or, you know, are they just going to brush those off and keep going, you know? Um, they can, a lot of times, afford a fine and a big hit and keep going, 
you know, uh, it, it's happened before. We've seen it, you know, some of these oil spills, and we've talked about some of these on this company or on this show, you know, with the Exxon oil spill, and uh, we talked about, you know, uh, some other big examples like that. And uh, yeah, they they were levied some heavy fines, but it didn't put, to my knowledge, any of these, you know, big oil companies out of business. They're still operating. So, you know, will this have an impact? And uh, will local and federal law enforcement be able to work together to fight, you know, the upcoming white collar crime issues? You know, we know since 9-11, the two have worked more closely together, you know, on terrorist related crimes. You know, we've had the Department of Homeland Security. And since that time, you know, they've communicated more with local law enforcement, shared intelligence and data and things like that more than in previous times. And it's, you know, helped you know, enforce and, and detect, uh, you know, crimes that are, you know, suspected of terrorist na- in nature. But uh, will it be that easy to do that with white collar crime? And uh, concerns are, you know, that white collar crime is not even on the radar of most law enforcement. You know, I mean, with so much violent crime and make no mistake, it is going up all the time. I believe uh, I saw, I don't know, 50 or so were shot last weekend or so here up near me well not you know about five hours away in chicago it's in my state and uh you know it's just one city it's most likely like that all over the country and uh you know concerns are you know for people who are aware of white collar crime is it is it being you know on the radar of politicians law enforcement uh prosecutors people that have a role in uh you know addressing it so to speak and we do know that uh, when they do get prosecuted, uh, it's oftentimes for a lot less time, the, the you know offenders, they get a lot less time than the actual uh, street criminals that, that do crimes that oftentimes may not even victimize the person as badly as the white collar crime did. You know, uh, sometimes the lives financially are destroyed forever and they never recover. And, uh, you know, we've seen other instances where, you know, with... Uh, you know, uh, the deep water horizon, you know, we talked about that one where, you know, there were lives lost in that, uh, you know, there was, uh, we talked about the WC and grace company, the mine company, the asbestos that destroyed a whole town basically there in Montana, lots of the miners and their families, uh, you know, but nobody did a day in jail out of that one, you know, and, uh, we could go on and on, you know, um, once in a while you'll get, uh, a case we've talked about, like Bernie Madoff or uh, Stuart Parnell, the Peanut Corporation of America. You know, we've talked about that case a lot on here. You know, we talked about it last year. You know, he got a pretty lengthy sentence. The CEO of that company did. But overall, well, majority of times, they don't. You know, I said, Bert, Jordan Madoff, uh, Jordan Belfort's out now, the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, and he's touring around and, you know, doing seminars and product endorsements. And, you know, he's living, you know, like a rock star, you know, despite victimizing a lot of people and not paying restitution for it. And, you know, on and on, and, uh, you know, it just, it happens all the time, very rarely, you know, do they get prosecuted, and if they do, it's not as long as, uh, you know, as it could be if uh, this were a common street crime, and, you know, with inflation and things on the rise, people, I think, are sadly are going to be more victimized uh, by white-collar crime, you know, it's just inevitable, and sadly, that's going to, uh, you know, get people more desperate to try to make money and they may fall for some of these pyramid schemes and you know that we've talked about recently that Lepre and Trudeau ran and because you know 
average person now is paying a lot more for gas and groceries and you know that's that's the bottom line and and when they have less money to take home people may get more desperate to try to make money other ways so you know keep your eyes out for your friends and you know family members make sure they don't fall prey to things like this and you know we you know each year white collar crime costs its victims billions and billions and billions of dollars you know the loss is almost immeasurable really how much it people are victimized every year financially and uh you know we hear a lot about how much it costs to lock up street criminals and you know the cost of that and you know uh you know to keep somebody on death row and things like that but we don't really realize how much out in the real world people that are being victimized you know people that end up losing their entire life savings from some of these scams or you know lose their jobs or their health and on and on you know it's not just uh you know, a short little victimization that they can quickly recover from. Sometimes these, you know, folks that are victimized by white collar crimes, their lives are destroyed. And like I said before, oftentimes civil court is their only recourse. And many times these companies are able to eat financially whatever type of punishment is dealt down to them. So in the end, it's, as they say, that slap on the wrist, they don't really suffer much like, uh, like they, you know, honestly should when they, you know, destroy people's health or, you know, result in their harmful, neglectful actions sometimes result in people's deaths and they don't, you know, face any real true consequences for it. But sadly, uh, just as many street offenders get out of prison and reoffend, uh, the same is likely true for white collar crime. You know, we don't know what's, uh, you know, the end of the story on him, you know, I'm sure Belfort has not finished yet. I'm sure it would not surprise me a bit soon to hear he's victimized some more people. Uh, Kevin Trudeau, the late night pitchman we did a show on a couple weeks ago, he's due to get out of prison here soon. You know, uh, some of the Enron people that were involved in that, you know, they're out around now, you know, they may have a shot to, uh, you know, to victimize people again. It it just, uh, you don't know. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they're able sometimes to operate behind the scenes and, and continue to victimize people. And again, the victims don't know it till sadly it's far too late down the road. Um, you know, so it's hard to tell where we're really going, um, with the, you know, opportunities that are out there now, you know, it's not just the rich, uh, wall street guy that's going to be able to victimize people now on white color crime. Again, you know, blurring with that cyber crime, you're going to have, all kinds of people, young people that are tech savvy, maybe that don't come from wealthy backgrounds or whatever, but they are going to now have the capabilities and the technology available to them that if they're motivated enough to do these crimes, they're going to victimize a lot of people. And, you know, it's pretty scary and something that, you know, we have to have on all of our radar. Um, Make no mistake about it. I think technology is one of those things out there that is going to change white collar crime just about more than anything out there so we got to keep an eye out there for it keep an eye out for each other keep looking out for each other Uh, that's what we try to do on this podcast we always appreciate you tuning in Uh, encourage you to follow us on our facebook page white collar crimes Um, you can donate to us on our anchor page if you want to donate financially we appreciate that keeps us going but uh you know most importantly we appreciate that you tune in to us each week Um, Now, next week, I will be doing some training for my probation officer job, and I will not be doing a show. Uh, We will be taking a week off, but we will be back the week after that. 
Um, and we will have probably some technology-related shows coming up, coming up how it's going to impact white-collar crime. So, you know, stay tuned for that. And uh, we always encourage you to, you know, adopt your next friend from your local shelter. You know, don't go from a pet store or puppy mill. You know, your next best friend's right there waiting for you at the uh, your local animal shelter. And, uh, you know, check out my uh, website, ryan-horn.com. If you're in need of any voiceover service, be glad to help you up with that. If you got an idea for a show on this podcast or if you want to be a guest on this show, uh, certainly, you know, email me at uh, ryanhornvt at gmail.com. You can also message me on our anchor page on White Collar Crimes. And, uh, you know, we just, again, appreciate you every week tuning in to us and helping us keep this going, keep the word out. You know, shine the light on a lot of types of crimes that uh, don't get the coverage and recognition they deserve. But uh, you help that make that happen with us each week by tuning in and helping us get the word out. And we are greatly appreciative of that. So, again, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you the week after next. Uh, again, we won't have a show next week, but we will see you after that. So, God bless and take care, everybody. <laughs>